0: Shall so we get to some questions? Let's do it. All right, so Zach up at the top, near, uh, yeah. near the top here has a great question. Yeah. Uh, Peter and Adam, I know you are sophisticated jazz guys, but any tips for voicings when playing more basic rock and pop tunes? So so yeah, Zach, I actually flirted with even doing like a pop piano course Right. a few months ago. There's a YouTube video that I did with some Blockbuster basic. YouTube video. Well, right? it didn't, it's not, I mean, we're, we're a jazz company for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, I, I, I'm, I stand by that video though. That's right. It's a, no, it's a cool, it's, it's a a, good info on that. Concepts I love mm. um, creating some beautiful pop voicings, like using simpler chords. So, Zach, the place to start on this is knowing the difference between closed voicings and open voicings. Yeah. Right? So, start with four note voicings. That means you'll do a triad with one of the notes repeated. Here's our C triad, C, E, G, C. This is a closed voicing in that everything is within the octave, right? C, E, G, C. So if we take this same voicing and we just take the right hand up, C, G, C, E. Now this is an open voicing. That means that the outside notes of the voicing are above an octave, right? They go beyond an octave. So closed means anything within an octave. Above means beyond. And really, the closed and, and open uh, refer to the triad itself. So this is actually a closed voicing, even though the C is so low. That is open. Right? I have C, C, G, E. Another thing that can help are just some basic orchestration principles for doubling notes, because you're going to double notes with pop voicings, right? Unless you, if you just do three, three notes, it's going to be a little it's going to be a little thin, right? So if I just do the triad in three notes, even in these big open voicings, it's just a little too thin. You need at least four, sometimes even five. So the thing the thing to think about is the closed voicings and the open voicings, and then what notes to double. Uh, there's actually a lot of theory on what notes to double based on the uh, the overtone series. So the root is always the number one A-OK thing to double, Zach. You can double that a lot. And still, you can... Here, I have three Cs in the C chord. Sounds awesome, right? Here's just one C. Here's three. Mm. It's so much more C-E, right? What happens if we did three E's, though? That's not so great. That's a bit loosey-goosey with the overtones. a little Lutheran there, right? Yeah. So the idea is that C is your first choice to double. G is okay. Here's a here's a double G C I've C and then a tenth up E then G C, G and then E is really the last thing you want to double and in fact if E is in the bass, no other E needs to be in the chord right? So if E isn't in the bass, kind of get away with it a couple maybe you got to be careful still even with two. but if it's the bass note, that's the only thing that needs to be in that triad. Mm. So now what you need to do with this information, closed voicings, open voicings. See, I'm, I'm super into this, Peter. I don't know if I you know. noticed, but I like, know. I've I'm thought about this. i over. I'm Is confused. Do a simple chord progression like four-five-one, right? And practice doing different inversions with the bass. So maybe starting on the 3. That sounds fancy. Right? I just did the 3 with A, F this is an F chord, F major A, F, I put the 9 in G, yep. C, F maybe that's even too pop for you so you can omit that and then I went to a root position G G, G, B, D and then root position C then you can just practice going in the, in the different inversions yep. all different kinds of ways you know and just keep keep working that it's so much fun actually yeah so there's all different kinds of ways to do that, to do that but then you can do that in every key then you can do that with major minor diminished and augmented chords and that'll get you most of the way
1: through most pop tunes that's great and you know The only thing I'll just add in terms of the question, you guys are sophisticated jazz guys. I would say that this is a little bit of a... a sort of bad rep or good rep or too good of a rep that we get as jazz guys. Like, it's hard to play these simpler chords. Like, in some ways, we, I think... To a fault, maybe jazz musicians hide behind complex chords, complex voicings, you know, all the time. And and we feel like that makes us more sophisticated than we are. I mean, being able to play some really good, simple voicings, I mean, to me, that's the ultimate level of sophistication. So I think that that's something that jazz musicians need. We need to pay more attention to simplicity, addition by subtraction. We mentioned this earlier, really being able to... And, and we should never feel like we're above these basic rock and pop tunes uh pop voicings
0: someone here peter this yes. isn't a question but frank mentions peter's root and two was quite a
1: mind opener good stuff can you briefly explain that root and uh two? i forgot that last week okay excellent. i already did it Cool. <laughs> yeah well no, just real brief actually i think the video is still up it oh, may not cool. be staying up but the the jazz piano method live that i did last week which is going to be like a monthly or bi-monthly thing nice well it might be a pro only we don't we don't know yet but uh it the idea is I mean, I'll just... uh, There is a video on it, so I won't go into it too deeply, but the idea is that we talk about root and shell a lot, and root shell pretty. You're you're, you're a great concept, so you got root, this is F minor, you know, F, third and seventh, A flat, E flat, and then pretty would be that G. But trying to start, like when we want to play... kind of inner movement everyone's always wanting to know how to get that and i I always kind of struggled with figuring out how to explain that and i think in order to open our ears up to get to the point where you can start to do that um thinking about some other inner movements behind besides that are kind of expansive on the root and shell so we would talk about um root plus two uh being you know seventh and ninth So let's say we're gonna do C minor seven to F seven to B flat major. So we normally would be thinking of that's root and shell, right? So if we go root and ninth, um, and then maybe we go to sharp nine and and flat eleventh, and then seventh and ninth, basically like one plus pretty in a way. Nice. And so what was I doing at all? What was it? Was it Stella? Stella, right, right, right. So you got fifth and seventh. And then you're going to go to. So you're using voice leading to seventh and flatted third. That's beautiful. And then, you know, so that, that, that's all it is yeah. root plus two notes that are not the shell. Yeah. And then let that lead you with voice leading to the next place you're going.
0: That's great. Yeah. Check out this um, question here from the Funky Unit. The Funky Unit! Uh, Watch Peter kill it last Friday, even noticed he uses the soft pedal. Mm. Any tips, tricks, guidelines on using the soft pedal, AKA Unicorda? Ugh. In the jazz context, <laughs> Thanks. You, you
1: don't like Frenchman? or no. it, Italian. 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 Sorry, it's that's Italian, it's fine. Uh, you, you were you were right before we started. You were like, "Un café, pour favor. You were good with that Italian. <laughs> I was good. With that.
0: I am good with that Italian.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so soft pedal. When were we, we talking? I was talking with someone about this. We talked
0: about uh, last week a little bit, but okay. what, what, what's your general concept
1: on it? So you want to learn first of all all the all the pedals. There's many different places that. It's not on or off. It's not a binary like computer kind of pedal, like a mm. uh, on or off USB pedal. So you want to learn how all the different gradients of that pedal do, especially the soft pedal, because depending on the instrument and the condition of it and the maintenance of it, you're going to get some good, um, you know, you might have 200 different possible places within that is two hundred. Okay, maybe a hundred. I mean theoretically it's infinite because it's not you yeah, know it's, true. it's like an analog it's not I mean digital. how much control <laughs> do you have over the that three inches? Two hundred. Um so uh <laughs> <laughs> leave that alone. Okay, so the idea is that you've got all these different places that you can use the soft pedal. So what I'm seeing maybe is a mistake or not a mistake, it's just sort of not the most creative way to use it. It's just on or off. So when yeah. once when when we when we slam down the una corda, una corda. Um, what we're getting un cafea un cafe like we're getting a whole lot less, you know, two one instead of two or two instead of three strings being struck by the hammer because it's moving over on most pianos depending on how it's set up you're getting less resonance less strings less sound which basically whenever you want that sound you want to go for that but it's very rare that you want to just have a totally thinner sound although there are times so I find myself not necessarily using the una corda in the same way, even on the same piano. It's more like, how does it sound in the hall? Like if there's like huge amount of resonance, I'm leaning on that, especially solo piano. Like that's right. I'm trying to be able to have a broader palette so that when I go really big, I can do that. And like the hall's already making everything reverberate so much. So you're reacting kind of to the sound that's happening.
0: That's right. So one thing to understand about how it works is the is a piano tech can set that depth and how yeah. much everything moves over on the una corda. So... They might not be that proficient at making it sound the best. And also, the piano might change by the, the last time it was set. Also, most texts don't check it. That's so
1: right. And you can go to duet corda that's, yeah. that's a dangerous
0: situation there. It's a dangerous situation. But what you want to do, and and oftentimes, just to your point, Peter, I'm either going between, I mean, sometimes I'm just barely tapping it because that's what sounds the best. Yeah. It's like when you mute like a bass string or a guitar string, right? When yeah. you're playing guitar or bass you know, you don't just put your palm on there and you're like, okay, it's muted and I don't care <laughs> I know. what the results are. Right. That The same thing with the una corda. So you need to, when you sit down to a new piano or even on your piano, experiment with where the best sound is and yep. the different sounds because sometimes you can use more than one depth depending on what the situation calls for.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so that's the main thing. And I think with all the pedals, but especially the una corda, is just experiment on different instruments. And if you're always playing the same one, that's great, you can get to know it. But all the different places that um what it sounds like and really it's so much ear training with pedal like there's there's technique of course but it's so much ear training connected with it i think uh, just gonna say what's up to john no question but hi from spain duo you rock cool um well this okay i'm gonna throw up this one from our friend rob Uh, Because this is kind of a little bit in line with that. As pianists, you have to step up to different instruments all the time. How do you adjust to the particular piano you're playing at a given night? So this is another one of those where what you were talking about as far as mindfulness, equanimity, um, being prepared... Uh, mentally for the unexpected, being prepared for something that's less than optimal. I mean, look, if you play piano and you've got that kind of, like you're so specific that something has to be exactly the way you want it, you could approach the greatest instrument being maintained by the greatest piano technician ever and be dissatisfied because it's not what you're expecting. So it's like we have to have, and look, if you look at, I really believe the personality of most really good pianists of any genre that play piano the ones that are successful, are the ones that have a very flexible attitude, mm-hmm. because you have to. Yeah, you know, you're not going to succeed at doing this, and you can't just be like, "Well, that's great." I mean, I would say that Keith Jarrett maybe is an exception, maybe not the most flexible brother out here, but well, he also has learned, you know, how to adjust his will to making sure he has the instrument the way he wants it. So, like, if you can. If you got the clout that Keith Jarrett is, For then sure. you can be like, it's got to be like this, and it's got to be yeah, set if, you, if
0: you have the money and the, the will that Keith Jarrett does to have an instrument that's as high quality as he can have, then that's what you do, you know. But if you don't, then you need to work on your acceptance, which, by the way, Keith Jarrett has loads of that as well. So, yeah, probably uh, more
1: than is the legend would imply.
0: Totally. So I would say, like, you know, exactly to your point, Peter, like, you just have to expect the worst, demand the worst, accept the worst. <laughs> like That's right. just, just get ready for, uh, practice your stoicism. It's yeah. going to be terrible. That's right. It's going to be hard to deal with. Uh, it's going to be unskillfully made and an unkempt yeah. piano. And I have to get some music out of it. And it's okay because it's me and I'm going to be me.
1: But yeah. I mean what a great thing when it's a horrible instrument, and you can make it sound half decent for, for you know? sure. I mean that's a lot and sometimes that's easier than I've like I've played on some, some incredible pianos. I'm thinking like in Germany, Steinway nine foots. Like there's yeah, one yeah. in the hall in Essen, the Philharmonie Hall in Essen. And the guy who maintains this, the technician, is like a legend there with Steinway and Beyond and that piano is perfect. It's mm. so much pressure. It's like now you gotta play perfect. Yeah, now you gotta so be then, as good as this like, piano. You got no excuses, yeah. you know. So I think even with the greatest instruments and everything in between. But in terms of like how do you adjust to the particular piano you're playing on a given gig, this is more sort of mindset stuff we're saying, prepared. Yeah. What I like to do when I'm going to another piano is to take the take some time, which is normally when I first sit down on it, and do some specific things, some sort of specific scales and exercises that I like to do that. I'm so familiar with, and I've done it on so many different pianos that I can get to know the piano as quickly as possible. That's right. It because, gets you a
0: base level of where you're exactly. at. Exactly.
1: Because we never know. Like you, I mean, ideally you have three hours, five hours, but that's very rare. No. Like sometimes yeah. you, you come in and you're playing, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna have time, and then all of a sudden the drummer's in there playing loud, or, or right. they're like, Oh, you gotta, it's a union break or whatever. So I like to take the first five to ten minutes to be like, I want to really get to know what the piano can do, yeah. what it can't do. I mean, I think all and then what can you
0: do that day as well? There's also that. Right sound that's right well you don't yeah.
1: have to worry about that
0: but <laughs> yeah I've, I've been resting all day i'm fine yeah. Yeah.
1: no but you so then because it's a, it's like a lot of things like if you're thinking about it's very easy to fixate on what the instrument can't do and even the greatest instruments can't do some things as well as some others but to me it's more about like i mean the, the piano is, is so big and powerful find what it can do you know yeah. let's can't can, can, can we get a little lemonade? Can, can we make lemonade out of lemons? Can we have nice pianos? Can we have nice pianos? And so like, maybe that's like an, an a, a chance for you to really explore, like the upper range sounds great. Like a lot of the, you know, it used to be, it's don't gotten, do it
0: on that. Don't do it on the no, M- know, yeah Yeah.
1: But I mean, we, we want to look at the bright side because most pianos have that. Now, if it's just a total dog, I guess you can, I don't know. What do you, what do you just not play or something? The only time that's, the only time that's happened, and it wasn't me, uh, that our, our production, our, I guess yeah Production manager Hey own it man Own it Yeah well he got to the club In Istanbul I think we talked about this before And there was an upright piano He's like Peter's not gonna play On an upright and so they went out and bought a piano I felt so bad the lady was crying like cause I got there there was this little Yamaha baby grand yeah. and it had the price tag like still like sitting on it and they're like we went and bought this cause your guy said that you wouldn't play otherwise and I was like that's right no I didn't say that I feel terrible <laughs> yeah yeah wow like, maybe they left the tag on so they could return it the next day Peter's not gonna play an upright wow that's great